My name is Nicholas Danforth, and I'm an editor at War on the Rocks. This week, we have the first installment of a brief series, Escape from Afghanistan, a special members-only feature for Warcast listeners. We'll be telling the stories of efforts to help Afghan airmen escape from the country after the Taliban takeover. Our guests today are Congressman Vicente Gonzalez and Lieutenant Colonel Lee Chase. Congressman Gonzalez is currently serving his third term in the U.S. Congress as the elected representative of the 15th District of Texas. He is the chairman of the Congressional Uzbekistan Caucus. Lieutenant Colonel Chase currently serves as the commander of the 2nd Division, 228th Theater Fixed Wing Battalion, and operates a UC-35 pilot-in-command. He previously served as the commander of Special Operations Advisory Team Central and the Afghan Special Mission Wing and PC-12 pilot-in-command. His articles have appeared in Army Aviation Magazine. Finally, although the people and events described in this story are real, certain names have been replaced for organizational sensitivities and to protect individual identities. This show does not represent the Department of Defense or the Army. Welcome to the Warcast. Really appreciate both of you guys coming on. Last August, right after the Taliban's takeover of Kabul, Lee, you were home in Virginia. Tell us what happened. Well, on the morning of August 15th, in the comfort of my home in Virginia, I received a call from my friend Masood in Kabul, who had just landed back at Hamid Karzai International Airport, aka HKIA, in a flight of five PC 12 airplanes. And as Kabul was falling around them, they were having a difficult time getting fuel. So Masood asked if I could assist in getting them fuel. I reached out to a colleague and friend of mine by the name of Doug and asked if he could assist in the process. Doug agreed to do so. But by the time I got that information to Masood and my other teammates, they had already requisitioned fuel by force from one of the local contractors there at HKIA. They had earlier tried to get into Uzbekistan. The Uzbeks did not allow them entry into their airspace. They held until they got low on fuel, and that forced them to return to HKIA. Earlier than that, other special mission wing aircraft had managed to get into Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, but there was political pressure from the Taliban not to let additional aircraft and personnel in. And I think a lot of our listeners probably know this, but give us a sense of why they were so eager to get out. Well, Special Mission Wing was one of the Taliban's greatest adversaries. Over a decade, the Special Mission Wing conducted helicopter assault missions, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance missions, and support of special operations forces that really took it to the Taliban. So they were targeted along with their families by the Taliban for death in many cases. I served as the last commander of Special Operations Advisory Team Central in Kabul. And these men taught me to fly the PC-12 airplane. And with them, I taught and flew the PC-12 with Afghan students as well. So getting back to the story, they just requisitioned fuel. What happened next? What happened next was that they needed to get into Uzbekistan. At this point, I didn't know the man sitting next to me, Congressman Gonzalez, but 
my brother-in-law had a relationship with him that went back a number of years. The day before this, on the 14th of August, I had talked to my brother-in-law, Gus Garcia Jr. He had spoken with the congressman about the immigration process for my teammates in Afghanistan. We were trying to find a way to get them immigrated to the United States, and the congressman agreed to assist in that process. And then the very next day, I reached out to my brother-in-law, Gus, again, and asked if he could immediately get me in contact with the congressman to see if there was anything we could do to get these five aircraft and my brothers into Uzbekistan. And so now, Congressman, uh, what did you do at this point? So uh, obviously, it's not the, the typical call you get on a regular basis. Uh, I was on a, on a brief vacation with my wife on, on our August recess when I received this call. Where I was at was really late at night. And uh, they were telling me, you know, we have these airmen that trained that are our friends that have our planes and, and need rescue, need, need a safe passage out of the country. Now, I visited Afghanistan uh, a couple of times and, and I chair the Uzbekistan, the U.S.-Uzbekistan caucus in the United States Congress. So I had some friends and I thought, well, if there's ever a time that I needed to use this relationship, it was this time. And uh, so I, I made a call. Uh, to uh, their foreign minister, Minister Kamilov. And immediately when I found out what the urgency was, I called and I said, hey, we have these five pilots that are on American planes that need help uh, getting out of the country. Would you allow them a safe passage? And, uh, and he said, yes. Uh, then I called, I don't know if you remember exactly, but then I called a uh, lieutenant colonel back and I said, hey, I, I think I can get them into Uzbekistan. They got to move now. And he, and he called me back. He said, you know, they're out of fuel. Uh, and I was like, well, shoots, I can't can't help there. But about an hour, I think it was about an hour after that. And and I'm in Madrid uh, taking a short break. So it's like one or two in the morning when, when I get a call back and they tell me, hey, they just were able to to uh, to acquire fuel and they can fly. So I called uh, the minister again. I said, hey, I think we're on again. Can we can you can you agree to let them in? And, and he did. Um, so I uh, talked to the uh, lieutenant colonel and said, let's get them out, uh, get them on their way, and, and let's see where this goes. Obviously, I didn't sleep that night until I found that they had landed safely and that they were under um, uh, they were under safe custody of the Uzbekistan government. And I think uh, probably you could share a little bit more of the process that happened in, in between. I know I gave them my name. I told them, uh, Minister Kavilov has, has agreed to give you safe passage. And, um, and once we knew they were there, I knew they would be safe. I know there were some concerns at one point that, that they would be sent back. And I, and I said, no, I can assure you that uh, these are my friends, that they, they will take uh, close care of these guys until we get them to another to another location and eventually hopefully be able to uh, get them to uh, a safe destiny, which ultimately ended up being the United States. So then, right. Tell us what happened in the meantime. So when they landed, uh, I know they took all their cell phones away and there was some concern. You know, I guess there was just some low-level security guards, they're harassing the pilots, telling them we're going to send you back to the Taliban and uh, their, their, their phones away from them. And I made some calls and was able to get them their phones back so they could stay in communication uh, with, the, with their family and the lieutenant colonel. And eventually we were all on a WhatsApp uh, where we were communicating in a, in a, in a string of, of messages until uh, ultimately they were brought to, safely to the United States. But it took, uh, what about six weeks. It took a couple of months. And at, at some point, uh, the, 
the Uzbekistan government was under a lot of pressure, uh, probably, I assume, from the Taliban to get them out of the country. And we couldn't, I couldn't find an airline to take them anywhere. I was trying to find some way to be able to airlift them out of Uzbekistan into another location. Uh, and, and in fact, I uh, was calling other governments to see if they would accept them in. The Guatemalan president at the time was a friend of mine, and I made that call and said, hey, if we're able to, to bring them to Guatemala, would you mind hosting them until they get vetted by the, by the State Department and see what the next step is? Um, which they were, I think at the time, they were kind of hesitant. There was a lot of, there was just a lot going on. But um, ultimately, uh, thankfully, their, their family was brought to safety to the, to the U.S. And, and ultimately, I think from there, they were moved to uh, Qatar. Where they were vetted, and uh, it took a couple of months, I think, before they finally made it uh, to the U.S. Now, people who've read the version of the story uh, online know this, but obviously, at the time they landed in Uzbekistan, their families were still in Afghanistan. How did their families get out? Their families got out due to a number of reasons and a rather unconventional team of people who got together from different parts of the world and made it happen. So that team included the congressman. It included Doug, who I mentioned earlier. It included a group of U.S. Army aviators in a country over the horizon working under Special Operations Command and, and a number of other folks in this process that came together, not even knowing each other in some cases, and making it happen. And the point man on all of this at the end of the day on the ground in Kabul was Doug. Our U.S. Army aviators over the horizon and myself and some others got on a messaging app. We narrowed that messaging app down to just four folks while keeping other folks like the congressman apprised of what was going on on the ground and were able to get access for SMW, Special Mission Wing, personnel and families through airport access gates. Now, uh, you make that sound very easy the way you just describe it. Talk us through them getting through those access gates. It was certainly a process. At which point for the readers that we activated message group whiskey. What that looked like was our U.S. Army aviators over the horizon and myself communicating with the special mission wing personnel and families, guiding them through the city to different locations. We had to be very cautious of their safety and the fact that they were targeted by the Taliban. So until they got within a reasonable distance of an airport gate, we never asked them to reveal their location. We encouraged them to keep their location services off on their cell phones, etc. But once we got them in place, Doug was able to facilitate bringing them in. But that process was one in and of itself as well, because there was just pandemonium going on and nefarious Taliban activities and other activities that were preventing people from getting through the gates, even when they had a sponsor at times. 
And of course, this story has a happy ending. But as you point out in the article, after some of these people got through, there was a suicide bombing at one of the gates. The gates were closed. No one else was allowed in. Tell us a little bit about the people who were stuck inside of Kabul after this. Uh, Who's left? Well, we have hundreds of special mission wing personnel and families left in Kabul. At some point, the American leadership on the ground in Kabul made the command decision that we were at the maximum capacity for the number of people that we could evacuate. And considering the risk involved on the ground, closed the gates down and evacuated. But those people are still there and they're certainly still in danger. The reason we use pseudo names for our special mission wing brethren is that their families in Afghanistan are still in danger. The U.S. government could enable special mission wing families still in Afghanistan, along with special mission wing personnel, to come to the United States and be provided with an opportunity to realize the American dream. It's a good idea to to be able to talk to your members of Congress to support our friends who are still on the ground and are still in danger to work with the State Department and try to find them a safe passage out, whether it's to the United States or another uh, allied country. But certainly, we still have friends that are on the ground that are still in danger, and we shouldn't forget about them. Uh, I'm very thankful uh, to the Uzbekis who have, who have been, who were more than gracious in assisting us in making this possible and eventually, and eventually bringing these people to safety. And we hope that they can continue to assist us in future efforts. And the congressman hit on the key word, relationships. Relationships are everything. My relationship brother-in-law, Gus Garcia Jr., and his relationship with Congressman Gonzalez got Congressman Gonzalez and I in a conversation on the 15th of August, which led to these men being permitted access into Uzbekistan. I'd like to thank my wife, Lorraine, my brother, Gus, the man sitting next to me, his wife, Mrs. Lorena Gonzalez, Minister Kamilov, my special mission wing teammates, Cody, Mike, Laura, and Willie, and of course, Doug, for their roles in saving the lives of hundreds of people. For those who are currently here, what would help them today is if the FAA administrator would recognize verification of authenticity of foreign license requests from Stone, Mo, Irfan, and others, and issue a reciprocal airman certificate based on their U.S. Armed Forces flight training and qualifications. That will lead them into an aviation career in the United States. Well, if, if the last thing that I encourage people to encourage their members of Congress to develop relationships with people around the world when they are traveling on these delegations, because it was those relationships that helped save these lives, friends of ours lives. Um, the, if you remember at the time, the State Department was overwhelmed uh, they wouldn't even respond to calls. They were, you know, they evacuated 170,000 plus people out of Afghanistan. And regardless of, of what, you know, Uh, critics say about this massive endeavor, uh, if you look at it uh, for what it was, it was still a massively huge success in being able to, I don't think any country in the history of the world has ever been able to execute an evacuation 
uh, like that. And at the end of the day, you know, nothing is perfect, but it was, it was a, a quite a success. Once again, really appreciate all that you guys have done to help these people. Really appreciate you coming on the Warcast. Thank you. 